company the business is all about this is what we do this is and this dictates how we're gonna do things what we're doing all of these things we're totally guided by this purpose this is why we exist this is our goal and this is what we're doing I mean for you wouldn't you love to just kind of have some of that clarity like Hank Aaron, like some of these businesses, man, this is why I exist. This is the purpose I have for my life. I'm totally guided. This, this shapes everything that I think, everything that I do, even how I do it, because I have so much clarity with what my purpose is. And, and really, if we don't have that kind of clarity, here's what's at risk for you and me if we don't have this kind of clarity for our lives, for the purpose of our lives we will easily and most likely end up living for things that really don't matter. If we don't really know what we're living for, we're going to end up living, because we're all living for something, we will end up living for things that really aren't worth that much. And so what about you? What would you say is actually the purpose of your life? What is it that you're like, hey, this, this shapes everything that I do, the way that I think, how I do everything. I mean, even think about your life. If you, if you just actually looked at the way you lived your life, what would your life lived out say is the purpose of your life? Or if you ask the people around you, what would they say? Hey, this is totally what this person is living for, what you're living for. And I think we'd all want to say Jesus, right? I think that's our hope, our desire to be like, hey, that's, that is the purpose of my life. He is the purpose of my life. And so today we're in Acts 20. Paul's going to show us four aspects of, hey, what does that actually look like to have a life that is set on purpose for Jesus? And so if you've got a Bible, open up to Acts 20. 
Acts is in the New Testament, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you've gone to Romans a little bit too far, but Paul, he's been going on these missionary journey, journeys through Asia, through Greece, Macedonia, preaching the gospel, and now he is heading towards Jerusalem, towards Israel. And on his way, he calls the elders from Ephesus to himself and just, you know, so he could spend some time with them. And, and what we have here is what he, the speech that he gives them. And this is actually the longest speech in Acts that is given to Christians. Most of the time, uh, Paul's speeches are actually given to people that, that aren't, don't know Christ, that aren't following him. And so since this is uh, two, two believers, two Christians, it gives us some really crucial insight uh, to how we should be thinking uh, as believers and how we should live our lives. So four aspects of what a life set on Jesus looks like. Here's the first one. Uh, as we see in an example of Paul, the first one is this. Paul did what Jesus told him to do. He did what Jesus told him to do. Look at verse 22. So this is what it says here. Um, and now, this is Paul in his speech. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. Verse 24. But I consider my life of no value. But then underline circle this, but my purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus. And so that Paul says, that, hey, this this is my purpose. It, it, it's to do what Jesus has told me to do, to, to, to run, the, run the race, to finish the course to which Jesus has given me to do. This is my goal. This is what I'm about. His single focus is this, and, and I, I absolutely love verse 24, just because he, he's just saying it like, no. You know, it's, it's kind of like Hank, Hank Aaron, like, hey, I didn't come up here for this, but this is my purpose. This is what I'm all about. But here, here's the thing, even though I really love verse 24, and I want, I want that to kind of be me, I want to have that same resolve uh, as Paul does here, but here's the part that gets really hard, is verse 23. Because Paul says, man, you know what I know? I, I'm, I'm doing what Jesus told me, and he told me to go to Jerusalem. But man, afflictions wait for me. Following, you know, hey, following Jesus means that I'm going to face some tough times. Things are going to get uncomfortable. And you know, we want to follow Jesus, right? We, we want to be, um, you know, driven towards him, have our purpose, like verse 24, to do what Jesus told us to do. To follow him. But here's the thing is we get a lot of time stuck in the things of verse 23. Right? It, it might not be, um, hey, afflictions and chains wait for us. But it's just the comfort of life. Hey, just having things go the way that we want them to. Avoiding the tough things and making sure everything's rosy. You know, we, we, we get caught up in verse 23 and then verse 24 gets pushed to the back burner. Man, I want to follow Jesus, but I don't think I'm going to do that because that would be hard. Man, I want to do what Jesus told me to do, but I really want to do what I want to do. Man, I want to be bold. I want to be courageous, but I really want people to like me and not think I'm a weirdo. Right? Je Jesus is good, but we really want all these other things. To be with this person, to make our own decisions. And then our heart gets divided. And rather than our purpose being set on living for Christ, 
We set it on ourselves. And let's face it, the world around us tells us to do that. Right? The world around us tells us, like, hey, the most important thing in this world is yourself. And that, that's for you to know what your purpose is or for what you should do, you should look in yourself. If you really discover who you are, then you'll know what your purpose is and what you should do. You know, determine your own truth. Be very individualistic. Self-actualization. But look at, look at what Paul says. Look at verse 22. Paul doesn't say, hey, I'm looking at myself. I'm looking at my own thoughts or my own feelings. He doesn't say that. He says, now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit. He's directing me. He's telling me what to do. In, in chapter 19, the same thing. It says that he was resolved by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. So Paul is going to do what God told him to do. That's who he's listening to. And so Paul knows, knows even who he is and what he should do, not by looking at himself, but because of whose he is. Hey, I belong to Christ. I belong to him. And because of whose I am, I know who I am and what I should do. But he, it goes even deeper than that. He can do what God told him to do, and he can have his purpose set on Jesus. And then verse 24, he says, hey, this is why I can do that. Not just because the Spirit told me, I'm compelled by the Spirit, but look at what verse 24 says. He says, I consider my life of no value to myself. Man. Man, hey, I, when, I, when, when Paul's thinking of his life, he's not thinking like, man, I, I, I'm so set on myself. I'm so important to myself. That's not, that's not what is driving him is his own wants, his own feelings, his own life. Because what does he say? He says, like, actually, I don't consider my life of value to myself. There's something else that's driving me. There's something else that I think is very valuable. Getting the stuff, the comfort, that's not what's worth a lot. That's not what moves me. But doing what God does, doing what God told me to do, that's what's valuable. That's what's worthy. That, that's what's worth a lot to me. That's what gets me going is doing what God told me to do. And I mean, like 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I'm going to just think about that. Is that like similar to your life? Like, hey, I'm so caught up in valuing myself and my own life. Or is it a little bit like Paul of like, hey, actually, I don't consider my life as, as valuable to myself. What really I consider valuable is to, to run the race that God has given me to do that. And I mean, Jesus, we see this lived out perfectly in Christ. The cross was coming, pain and suffering. And Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, he's sweating blood. Under so much stress, under so much just like discomfort, hey man, all of this stuff is coming. It is weighing down on him. And all of these things. And, but Jesus says, hey, not my will, God, but yours. His heart was set on what the Father had told him to do. Is that, is that pain, affliction, you know, the things that we, you, you're facing, is that real? Yeah. It's not to stuff it down, forget about it. That's not it. But his, his heart was undivided because, hey, ultimately, what is of ultimate value is God and what he told me to do. And so 
you know, it's actually just a verse for you because because I think it could be like cool for me to say like, hey, yeah, have a have an undivided heart. Hey, value God above everything else, even yourself. And that could be easy. But uh, but in this, this is actually just a verse that I would encourage you guys to just pray through. And this is Psalm 86, 11. It says, give me an undivided mind, an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And so even David here is just asking God, God. Help me to have an undivided heart so that my heart is totally set on you. And so that, man, I just totally value you, not even my own life, above everything. I, I, don't, I don't need other people's approval because I have God's approval. That's far more valuable to me than what one person might think of me. Man, I don't need more money or just more comfort. Why? Because God will provide everything that I need and I can just trust him. I don't need to get this false temporary pleasure because in your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hand is pleasures forever and more. And again, it's not that approval or comfort you know, or, or having material things are bad. That's, that's not it. I'm just saying it's just not the purpose of your life because ultimately that's just not what's valuable. That's not what's worth all of that. And Compared to doing what God has told you to do. And so here's just a question for you. Is there something in your life that God has told you to do? Is there something that you're like, you know what? I kind of do know what he's told me to do. And you're just not doing it. What has God told you to do? Do you struggle with doing what God has told you to do? Because you struggle to like have your heart pulled towards other things. To have... Hey, ultimately you do think some other things are more valuable. What is your purpose? And because Paul valued Jesus, because he totally knew his purpose, the purpose of my life is to do the ministry which God has called me to do. And so he does what God told him to do. Second thing is this, second aspect is Paul directed people to Jesus and not himself. Verse 19. says that here that he is serving the Lord. Again, it's, 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 he's not about himself. He's like, hey, I'm here. When I was with you the whole time in Ephesus, I was serving the Lord. This isn't about me. This is about Jesus. And I'm serving him. And then how did he serve? And it says that I served you with all humility, with tears, and, and during the trials that came to me through the plot of the Jews. Man, that's, that's how he lived this out. Him, I'm not pointing, I'm not making this about myself. I'm making this about Christ. I'm serving him. I'm serving him with all humility. And so we see this actually in, in a few different ways in this passage of how he's just not directing people to himself, but directing people to Jesus. And so the first thing is this. I mean, just like if you just kind of step back and look at this passage of what's going on, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and he knows that afflictions... Um, all of these uncomfortable things await him. And what does he do? He calls the elders because he's like, hey, I want to spend some time with you guys. Hey, I, I know that I'm never, I'm not going to see you again. Hey, this is the last time that you're going to see me, but I want to encourage you. In Christ, I commend you to, to God and to the word of God, the word of his grace. Hey, he's not making this about like, hey, about his business strategy. He's not making about this like, hey, this is how you can best cast vision. Any of these things are about how smart or savvy is or like, hey guys, I don't know how this is going to go for you when, uh, that I'm gone. 
He doesn't make it about himself at all. He's just encouraging them in Christ, pointing them uh, to them. And, and again, even when he commends them to God, because he's like, hey, God is the ultimate one that you're looking to, not me. And, and even you, when he's talking to these elders, these leaders of the church, and he commends them to God, he's, you know, he's, he's saying, hey, you're not shepherding these people alone. God's with you. Actually, he's the ultimate shepherd that is with you. And then another way that he makes this not about himself, he's directing people to Jesus, is that he's just testifying to Jesus. He's just preaching the gospel. Look at, again, verse 20. You know that I did not avoid to you proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching, and public, uh, teaching you publicly and from house to house. He says, I didn't shrink back from telling you what you needed to hear. I proclaim to you Christ. He's preaching the gospel. And, and, and let's just kind of admit, like, preaching the gospel, you know, the, the gospel is, is that, that God created you. He created you to be with him, to know him, to be in this right relationship with him. But you are, I mean, every single one of us, you're sinful. You're dead in your sin. But even while you're dead in your sin, but God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. And Jesus died the death that you deserve. He, he died the death that you should have. And he died in your place, paid the price for your sin. And he rose again. And the only way for you to be saved, the only way for you to be forgiven, the only way for you to actually know God is not, be, not anything of yourself. It's not because you're a good person. It's not because you haven't done really bad things. It's nothing within yourself. It's only through Christ alone that you can have new life, that you can know God. Jesus is our only hope. And so Paul is telling everybody this news and saying, hey, repent from whatever it is that you're believing. Repent from the life that you're walking in and turn to faith, turn to trusting in Christ. And in verse 27, Paul says, man, I preached to you not just the gospel, but I preached to you the whole counsel of God. I didn't hold back. You know, he, he didn't just tell people what they wanted to hear. If you want to know if somebody's in it for themselves, they will tell you what you want to hear. And in, in kind of our culture today, even, you know, not just in America, in churches, I don't think repentance is one of those things that's really happy and fun. That's not like, hey, what, what, how was church today? Well, you know, we talked about repentance and how I'm believing wrong things and doing wrong things and how I need to turn away from that from Jesus. It was great. <laughs> right? That's not, that's not like a fun, happy message. But Paul is saying, like, that's what I was telling you about. I was preaching repentance to you. To turn to Christ. Because, because this isn't about me. This isn't about you liking me or just liking the preaching. I'm pointing you, I'm directing you to Jesus because he's the one you need. Towards holiness. Towards repentance and following Jesus, even if you're in the wrong. And so he's directing people to Christ. And this is why Paul could say what he says in verse 26. Because he is preaching the whole counsel of God. He is preaching the gospel. He says, therefore, I declare to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of you all. Hey, I told you everything. I laid it out there. I can't control how you respond to the word of God, to the gospel of Jesus. But I gave everything to you. And so you're responsible for what you do with that. You're responsible 
for that. And so it's not on me. It's your responsibility. And so in that, because Paul's living this life of not directing, it's not about him. It's about Christ, about the ministry. Hey, this is my purpose to do what Christ has set for me to do. So for you, an application in this and for you to think through something like this is, have you been clear and honest with your friends that don't know Jesus? Have you been clear and honest with them about Christ? Have you been clear and honest with them about who Jesus is and about the gospel? And, and I get it. Right? It, it is tough to share the gospel. And I'm not saying, hey, go attack people, go pounce or anything like that and anything like that. I'm just saying like, hey, as you live your life with the people around you, is that just flowing from you of just who Jesus is and what he's done in your life? And not in anger, not in just trying to convince somebody. Even Paul says, I did this in humility with tears. There's this tenderness. I cared for people. And we run to the lost, to people that don't know Christ, because Christ did that for us. And so have you been clear and honest with the people in your life about who Jesus is? Because here's the thing. If you're not directing them towards Jesus, and, you know, and, and these are people that you know that you're friends with. If you're not directing them towards Jesus in that, are you kind of making this about you? That ultimately this relationship is about you just having this nice friendship. That you don't have to risk anything for someone's eternity. For someone to possibly know Christ and to be saved out of death to life. It's only through Christ. I'm saying, hey, ultimately, even in this friendship, and I love you, dear friend. I love you, coworker. It's still ultimately not about me, but it's about Christ. And so I'm pointing you to Jesus because you need him more than even I need this friendship. Even if I risk it. Is there someone in your group, in your city group, in your huddle um, in, that you're in a relationship with that it's like, hey, we're, we're both following Christ, but man, there's just something I need to kind of press in. Not that not, I'm playing behavior police, none of that, but hey, I just want to encourage you, you and I'm seeing something, you know, that maybe you could turn to Christ in this way. I feel like there's maybe this struggle. Hey, I don't, I'm not here to attack you. I'm here to help you, to help you repent in, in whatever that might look like. Are, are you holding back? Because you're really not having this honest friendship, this honest encouragement, sharpening one another, encouraging one another towards Christ. Because we can, we can, we, we care more many times. We care more that everything is okay in a real, in a friendship and we'll keep everything kind of on the surface and in, in yay land and everything's fine, fine, rather than wrestling with really hard things and just pressing in to be like, hey man. Are you really pursuing Jesus in those ways? And so Paul, because he's so clear on his purpose, so clear on what he said on that shapes everything that he does. And just, I mean, it's, you know, it's like, hey, Karen, man, I didn't come up, come up here to read. Paul is saying, hey, I didn't come up here to make this about me. I came up to make this about Jesus. And so he's directing people towards Jesus. Third thing is this, is he cared for the church. Paul cared for the church. A life set on purpose uh, with Christ is, is caring for God's church. I mean, Paul, again, is on his way to Jerusalem. He knows stuff's about to get hard. And what does he do? Verse, verse 17, you know, he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. He spends time to invest in the elders, these, these church leaders. He cares for them so deeply. He makes sure 
that he has enough time, you know, to help them, to encourage them. I mean, even, even, even in verse uh, 28 and 31, he warns the elders about these fierce wolves. Hey, these people are, might like come up in the church, even from among you, these fierce wolves, because he, he's caring for the church. In verse, um, verse 18, you know, he's spending time with them. Um, spending time with them. He says, man, I, I cried out day and night. I prayed day and night for three years. He has real emotion, real affection for the people of God. He, he prays for them. I mean, at, at the end of the story of this, they're crying together. They're hugging each other. The tears are being shed. And then, I mean, in verse 38, it says, and they accompanied this. This is the people that are with them, the elders. They accompanied him to the ship. Even if you look at 21 verse one, it says, after we tore ourselves away from them. I mean, this is like, man, we're never going to see you again. This is hard because why you care for us, Paul, we care for you. We're, we're, we're like in these real relationships with one another and we really care for one another. I mean, this is, this is like some, somebody that you really love and you're, you're seeing them off to the airport and you're like, yep, I'll go through a checkpoint just to get them to the gate. So I could spend every single moment with them because I care for them so deeply. I just want to spend as much possible time with them. In, in, in verse Remember whose church this is. I mean, look at verse 28. When he warns them, be on guard, um, you know, you, for yourselves and for the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Whose church is this? It's Jesus. He's the one that bought it. And so Paul cares deeply about the people of God because God cares deeply about the people of God. Jesus paid the ultimate price, the, 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 the most expensive thing that Jesus could have paid to buy people, to, to purchase them, to rescue them out of slavery, out of death, into his life. Jesus paid the ultimate price for that. And so the church is near and dear to the heart of God. And because of that, the church is near and dear to the heart of Paul. How valuable, how much affection do you have for the people of God? For the church. Knowing that Jesus paid the, the highest possible price for them. That this doesn't allow us to have a low view of church or an ap apathy towards church. And I'm not saying church attendance. I'm saying the people of God. It just doesn't allow for us to just not really care or to think it's optional participating in being a family. That's even why we, we call ourselves like a family. We're not an, we're not an audience. We're not sitting in, in chairs just to hear some guy speak. Man, Jesus purchased us to create a new family. Family that loves each other, that encourages one another, that, that lives out the heart of God in this world and points each other to Jesus. There's no way we can just be like, well, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. Right? We, when we see Paul, he, he, he practically lives this out in caring for the church in just a couple of ways. I mean, the first thing is just, man, just share your lives. Spend time together. Paul spends a lot of time with these elders. He takes time out of this. Just to, to, to be with them. 
Spend time with the family of God. And I know that, that your schedule gets crazy. Right? I know that they, they, your schedule and your time fills up. But your life is just not about you and your family. Right? Yes, that is a responsibility. But Jesus has also called you and saved you to be a part of his family. And I know we can be, we can be all activity, you know, driven. We can be Netflix rich. But is that worth it at the expense of being relationship poor? I'd rather, I'd, we so want this for you that you would, you're okay to be activity poor if you can be relationship rich in the family of God. And in, in, in that time, so he's, he's spending time with them. He's sharing his life. I mean, because notice it says that Paul came in humility. That word there for, your, for humility means weakness. It means openness. Paul is sharing his life, his weakness, his struggles. He has tears with them. He's not trying to, to pretend himself. He's not living this. He's not photoshopping his life to make it look better to the elders or to the people of Ephesus. It's like, hey, this is me. I'm not spinning anything. And, and for us, we live in this world that is like, hey, that's exactly what you should do. Right? We, li we live in an age where you could control more of what people see of you than ever. Hey, you could see this great vacation. You don't see when my kids were driving me nuts and I wanted to punt them in the name of Jesus. <laughs> That, I mean, that's just what happens, right? And, 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 and Paul's just saying like, hey, let's not spin anything. And just, just, just share our lives with one another. So spend time, encourage one another, love one another, sharpen each other. These are deep friendships, not just associates. And so another way that, you know, spend time sharing our lives is one way to just care for the church. Another one is just be on guard for yourself. I mean, in verse 28... When he, when he says this, be on guard for yourself and for the flock, for the people of God, which with the Holy Spirit is entrusted. You pay careful attention to yourselves. And, and notice when he gives them these warnings, he says, because these people will come up from among you. The biggest threats to Christianity, to the movement of God, is not new government policy. It is not, you know, oh, they don't like this or the news said that. That is not the biggest threat. To Christianity. The biggest threat to the advancement of God is distracted, disinterested, divisive Christians. That's it. Apathetic Christians. That's the biggest threat. And, and Paul is saying, hey, a way for you to tangibly care for the church is be on guard for yourself so that you don't become that. Because, you know, he says it could happen to even you elders amongst you. This could, and if this is very, actually very similar to even what Paul warns Timothy. And Timothy may have been at this meeting here with Paul because he's one of the elders of church. He's, he's in Ephesus. He's a pastor there. But this is what he says to First Timothy, uh, or to Timothy in First Timothy 4.16. He says, pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so as you... You know, watch yourself. Be on guard uh, amongst your, you know, for, for yourself and just your, your sin in your own just drifting from God. Be on guard because, because if you don't, then you're going to become that divisive 
distracted, disinterested Christian, and then people might follow you in that. And the flip side is, is, hey, as you guard yourself, as you grow in your relationship with Christ, then you have something to be a blessing to, to give to others, to help them grow in their relationship with Christ. And so, again, it just comes back to, hey, what's your purpose? Do you have clarity on what your purpose is? Verse 24, my purpose is to finish my course that I received from Jesus. And so because Paul has total clarity in that, he cares for, for God's pe- people, the church. And so last, uh, last thing, the fourth thing of what Paul lives this out, having his purpose set on Christ, is this. He gave more than he took. He gave more than he took. In 33, he says, you know, I, I didn't covet anyone's silver or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands. He was a tent maker to support myself and those who were with me. Verse 35, in every way I've shown you that it's, it is necessary to help the weak by laboring uh, like this. And to remember the words of Jesus, of the Lord Jesus, because he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And Paul's not saying, hey, it's wrong to do support raising or, hey, it's wrong to, to get, get paid by the ministry that you're doing. But, but the, the example and the encouragement is, that Paul is giving to us in this is like, hey, you know that in all of this, I wasn't out for my own gain. It wasn't about just me getting things. My motivation was to give, to serve others. It's more about me giving than me receiving. Paul doesn't count having a lot of money of great value, but to give more than he takes is of great value. And he says, Why? You know what? Because Jesus did. You know, verse 35 is actually not recorded in Scripture that Jesus said this. And so this is probably just something that that was an oral uh, tradition passed down, but it demonstrates Jesus' life for sure. I mean, the night before Jesus was betrayed, Jesus gave more than he took by washing the disciples' feet. He was a servant. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew that I was about to be betrayed by one of my posse here and that I was going to die the next day, I'm not rubbing anybody's feet. I'm like, hey, I'm going to die. How about I get the feet rubbed? Can somebody make some cookies? Because I'm going to die tomorrow. (laughs) That's not cool. But But Jesus totally knows this. And he's like, hey. I love you, and he washes the disciples' feet. I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Because I'm, Jesus like, hey, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Does your life reflect that? In your marriage, do you focus more on what you can receive or what you can give? To serve or to be served? In your friendships, does your life reflect that? In your city group, in your huddles, at your workplace? Maybe in retirement, or, or, or maybe you just don't have to work right now, you know, just because God has provided. You just, and you're like, hey, I don't really have to work. Do you, approach, do, do you approach that as the goal? That you, hey, if I can just retire, if I can just not work, or hey, because I don't have to work, or because I am retired, or whatever it might be, do you approach that as the goal for you to just be like, okay, now I can relax. Now I can have some time to myself. Now that I could take it easy, play golf, watch some shows. God did not give you retirement. God did not give you maybe the blessing of not having to work for you to be about yourself. 
for you to just relax, but he gave it as an opportunity for you to pour out to others, to pour your life out. And even when, we, when we, our, our hearts are shaped to give more than we take, to more than we receive, that is actually us becoming more and more like Christ because that is the heart of Christ. Christ did give his life. You know, for, for you in your career, it's not about you advancing, which is totally fine if you do. It's not about you getting a promotion or making more money. But, but God gave you that to, hey, can you leverage that for the kingdom of God? Because why? There are people in this world that need me. There are people in this world that don't know me. I've placed you in a certain place, in a certain neighborhood, at a certain workplace, in a certain retirement, whatever that might be, so that you might be a blessing to others for you to be a demonstration of my love and grace to the world. And so what, whatever, you know, the money that you make or how much of you get, uh, money you get paid, yes, provide for yourself, provide for your family. But the main goal in that is to not put money in your pocket. It's not that vacation coming up. Your purpose is for something greater than yourself. I, I read this uh, this past week in a commentary and I was like, man, that was, that was really good. It just said greater financial capacity should increase our standard of giving, not just our standard of living. Right? Because... Jesus said, more blessed is to give than to receive. It's better for you. It's for your joy. It's for, it's for you being conformed to the image of Jesus for your life to be more about giving than to receiving. And so Paul, we see that he, he did what, people, or what Jesus told him to do. He did direct people not to himself, but to Christ. He cared for the church and he, he gave more than he took because the purpose of his life was so clear. Verse 24, because, but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus. I mean, imagine what Paul's life could have been. Right? He could have left behind a far different legacy because in this, in this talk with the elders, this is kind of like, hey, this is what I've left you with. I spent all this time with you and this is, I'm not going to see you again. And so this is kind of like, hey, this this is the legacy that I'm leaving behind. It could have been far different for Paul. Right? He, he could have been one of the most awesome, uh, you know, kind of Jewish leaders, synagogue leaders, Pharisees ever. He could have been living it up, had a lot of prestige, a lot of power, a lot of comfort. Even after he trusted in Christ, he could have just stayed in Jerusalem and, and just been, been just like this cool church leader or, or just making tents. His life could have been very different than going from place to place, having all these people not like him, having all of, facing all of these trials, traveling around, planting churches, and even now it could be different than him heading to Jerusalem to face all these afflictions. But Paul had this life because he considered what Jesus told him even on the road to Damascus when he was on his way to persecute uh, other Christians. And Jesus showed up, this light shone around Paul. And just Jesus shows himself to Paul that he is the Lord, that Jesus is the Lord. And in none of this, do, you know, do I want to shame you or guilt trip you? But I just want you to take an honest look at your life and be like, man, is this, is Jesus the purpose of my life? Is Jesus really who he says he is? Is Jesus really the Lord? The Alpha and Omega, the true vine, your only hope, the way, the truth, and the life. 
the one and only Savior? Is he really, you know, the a light shining into your darkness, into the darkness of the world, the good shepherd who laid down his life for you? Because if Jesus is really who he says he is, who the word of God says he is, if he really is that, then our lives are going to look different. We have a different hope, a different purpose and perspective. And we value Jesus more than anything. And I think sometimes we could read this and we could see Paul and we're like, well, hey, that's easy for you to say, Paul, because you had this big jumbo experience where the light shined around you and where Jesus just spoke to you. And if I had that, then then I would be more like you. But for Paul, it wasn't just because this light shone around him that changed him. It was because there was a truth revealed to him. He met Jesus. That's what changed his life. The Holy Spirit filled him. And the Holy Spirit meeting Jesus is bigger than any highlight moment that we can kind of try to conjure up in one. And that same Jesus, the one that was speaking to Paul, the same spirit that was filling Paul, moving through him, empowering him, motivating him, is the same Jesus that is speaking to you. The same, the same spirit that is filling you, that works through you. And, and he gives us, the gospel gives us power to live a life that is set on not on ourselves, but a life that has its purpose set on him. And you can be, you, we can be like Paul. You can consider your life of no value or precious to yourself. And here's why, because Jesus does that for you. You don't have to worry about considering your life so important because why? Jesus considers your life valuable to himself. He considers you precious. Without you doing anything, without you worrying, you can care for others because you know that Christ cares for you. You can give more than you take in your relationships, in your life, because there is always one relationship that you will always take more than you ever give, and that's your relationship with Jesus. He will always give more to you than you can ever give to him. He lavishes you with his love. He gives it freely, not because of anything within yourself. Not because like, hey, you've had a good week. It's not because, hey, you gave money. It's not because, hey, you gave your time, talents, or anything like that. It's because Jesus is pouring himself out to you. His love, his goodness, revealing himself to you. And then, that's why we can live a different life. That's why we can have... A different purpose. You know, and after Hank Aaron hit the home run, touches home plate, he says, I didn't come here to read. And we can have that same kind of resolve. We can have that same kind of clarity. Hey, I didn't come here to point people to myself. I came here to point people to Jesus. Hey, I didn't come here to mainly take or to just receive. I came here to give. I didn't come here to just care about myself, but to care about the church, God's people that he purchased with his blood. Because we know that Christ gives us the strength and the power. We have that purpose because Jesus came for us. He is who he said he is, and we can give our lives to Christ because he gave his life to us. Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you. Um, 
that really even for us to have this, our, our, our hearts, our purpose, our drive set on you, Lord, this is actually for, for our joy even in that. Yes, it's to, it's to glorify you, God, to bring glory to your name, to point other people to you, Lord. But if we ever live for lesser things, Lord, then that's exactly what we're doing. We're living for something that is not meant to sustain us, not meant to sustain our life. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us strength, Lord, to, yeah, just to live for you. Give us an undivided heart so that our hearts are totally set on you, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.